0: the quality of air in our home is important. Indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air. But with Puro Air, you can remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room in just 30 minutes. This device uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA 14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Check it out at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E T P U R O A I R dot com. One more time, get com. Christian Parenting. This is Cynthia Yanoff, and you're listening to Pardon the Mess. Each week we have honest discussions about the ups and downs of parenting and the lessons God is teaching us along the way. It's real, it's fun, and it's biblical. Life is messy. Don't walk the parenting road alone. Hey guys, welcome to Part the Mess. I'm glad that you are with us today. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, to my dad, to my husband. And I cannot wait for you to hear from Jeff Kemp. Jeff Kemp has a whole lot of roles throughout his life, but he's been a NFL quarterback. He's been a son that helped his dad run for vice president. And most recently he's been involved in ministry and he has a heart for guiding and leading men, men in how they live their lives for the Lord, but also as dads and fathers and husbands. And so he's with us today and he has such an amazing word. For all the dads out there, this is the one to forward to your husbands, ladies, but it's also a good word for moms. And how do we do this? Well, how do we let our husbands lead? Well, there's so many nuggets in this, so I'm thrilled for you to have a chance to hear from Jeff Kemp. Here we go. Hey, Jeff Kemp, welcome to Pardon the Mess. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you, Cynthia?
0: I'm good. Thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Happy Father's Day coming up. Cool. Cool. Father's Day
1: is uh, fun. I always get some cool attention, a couple of cool gifts and cards. But uh, Mm -hmm. we kind of think that Father's Day should be every day because it's the most important job a dad has, but sometimes it's relegated to that one day.
0: Yeah, I totally hear you on that. Well, I'm glad you're here because we talk to a lot of people on this podcast and we talk about a lot of subjects, but I don't know that we talk about dads as much as we should. And so my hope would be today, I know that you do a lot of speaking all over the country and um, this is an emphasis in your life as practically just as a dad, um, but as well as speaking into other fathers. And so we'll just talk practically, hopefully to dads listening, but also to wives listening that to help us do it well with the men in our lives. And so before we do all of that, kick it off and just tell everybody a little bit about you because I was reading a little bit about you. You have kind of an interesting background at in sports, um, your dad in presidential run, all kinds of interesting stuff. Can you just give us a quick
1: highlight reel so people know a little bit about you? Sure. I'll start from the present work backwards. Uh, married to Stacy for 38 years. Uh, in fact, we're going on a, a marriage weekend date uh, right after this podcast. We awesome. have four, four sons, all married, and there's five grandkids now. Um And I uh, have most recently worked for Family Life for five years. Stacey and I are still speakers for Family Life. Uh, Before that, I worked in some marriage movement philanthropy for some business leaders. And then I ran a nonprofit, uh, Stronger Families, for 18 years uh, out in Seattle. Um, And that was dedicated to strengthening the institution of marriage by partnering churches and communities and leaders Uh, to hold more marriage-strengthening events and raise the standards for marriage preparation. Uh, We did a lot on fatherhood, um, a lot of public campaigns, okay? So it was a ministry, but we were trying to step outside the the Christian circles to serve everybody. Yeah. And and that that was my second career, uh, this uh, ministry world. Um, But I played pro football for 11 years for that, before that. Um, for the Eagles and Seahawks and 49ers and Rams. Mm, yeah. I, was, I was usually a backup quarterback, but got to start a few years and had some amazing experiences and really got discipled um, by the chaplains and teammates and our pastors during that time. Because God taught me, your life is totally insecure in this pro football world. Don't build your identity on being a pro athlete. Uh, mm. you're, you're a son of the heavenly father. And we kind of had to learn not to put our roots down in circumstances. And my wife's awesome. We moved, you know, seven or eight times and were traded twice, cut twice, Um, had some great ups and a few downs and felt felt a lot of pressure and learned to turn it over to God. Right. And we lived we lived with other young couples really intensely for those months of the football season. And I got used to huddling with men um, every week and every day. And then I've carried that into my Christian life. So uh, then I, I had just uh, given my life to Jesus Christ when I entered pro football. That was coming out of Dartmouth College, where I kind of drifted and wandered for a while. I, I had faith maybe as a 13-year-old and grew up in a church family. Um, I, I grew up uh, in Little California, Little Buffalo, and a lot of Bethesda, Maryland. Went to Dartmouth College. And uh, my dad was a professional quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Okay. then he ran for Congress and ran for vice president and was secretary of housing and urban development. So we were we were, you know, joined at the hip on the quarterbacking thing. Uh, My little brother, myself and my dad had a lot in common. I had a very, very encouraging dad, the greatest encourager ever. So optimistic. And Mm -hmm. I think that gave me the vision and perseverance that I could make it to the NFL, even though, Cynthia, I was never really that great. Uh, I was a backup quarterback for most of my time in high school and even yeah. two years in college. Um, my mom's name is Joanne. She's still alive. My dad passed away 12 years ago. Hmm. Um, and for the last three years, uh, I've kind of been independent. I still speak for the weekend to remember with Stacy for Family Life. I'm on the board and I'm an ambassador for the Fatherhood Commission uh, to highlight and champion fatherhood and the many groups that are doing it. And my mission is called Jeff Kemp Team and Men Huddle. So that's kind of a quick snapshot, I hope. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. There's so much in that. And so that's why I'm thrilled we're talking to you. And I love how when you're talking about your dad, that I can just see it in the way you're speaking and in your eyes and how you talk about him, the impact he had. And I just wonder, looking back, you said that, you know, he was such an encourager. Give us an idea of some of the some of the lasting impact things he's done as a dad and your life that still sticks with you. And it's kind of propelled you into this whole ministry of speaking to other dads. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to paint a picture first for every dad out there listening and any woman uh, who's kind of disappointed in what her dad didn't give her, or maybe yeah. she's deeply wounded or hurt, uh, or maybe she's disappointed in her husband that he hasn't really engaged as a dad. Like she'd like, uh, grace needs to cover all this. And I want to remind everyone, there are no perfect earthly dads.
0: Yeah.
1: And the degree of your vacuum or wound relative to what your father gave you is the degree to which God wants you to run to the perfect heavenly father and let him him re-father you. And even take your your backstory, your hard story and turn it for good in the future. So no dad is disqualified. Your past doesn't dictate the future. Uh, Kids from single parent families are gonna make it with God's help and the team around them, all right? Uh, It's more challenging, but they're gonna make it uh, with Christ. And my dad wasn't a perfect man or a perfect dad, but here's the positives. He kissed us. He hugged us. He wrote little notes to us. He left little notes on our, uh, the seat of our car or at our spot at the table. He'd send them in the mail to me at college or when I was with the Rams. Uh, he called them JFK grams cause those were his initials and uh, they'd be on embossed government letterhead. And they would just say, I'm proud of you. I love you. Persevere. Uh, he'd usually quote something like his favorite Bible verse. Um, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him and He'll do it. Or trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. That was his favorite. And then he'd say, Remember, you're a Kemp, be a leader. Hmm. He said that to us every time we left the house Remember, you're a Kemp, be a leader. So my dad's affection, approval, delight, encouragement, pride, and the positive vision he painted of our future mm-hmm. as a leader really drove Jennifer and Judith and Jimmy and me. Now, to some degree, I converted into too much of a performance mentality where I got to be a great quarterback like dad. I got to be a super speaker like dad. If I run a ministry, it's got to be really big. I mean, my dad was running for president at age 50. I was Mm -hmm. running a 10-person organization. I I compared myself and thought, geez, what have I done? Um, We're not supposed to compare ourselves. And one of the great things that's happened over the last 10, 15 years, and particularly this year, is... I've realized that I shaped a performance-driven ministry identity out of my dad's great positive vision that I would be a leader. And God doesn't want me to live for performance. He wants me to live from my identity as a beloved son and then carry out my job, football, ministry, fathering, but not to earn anything, not to perform anything. Yeah. So uh, even so, dad was phenomenal. Here's a, here's a great story. Hey, Jeff, I saw you play today. You look great. And I'm all frustrated. I think this is a pro football. I said, dad, I didn't even get in the game. He goes, oh, I know. I saw you warming up on the sideline. You're really throwing well. (laughs) He'd he'd find whatever he could to praise. That's a nugget we dads and moms need to take away. Stacy always says, look for the positive. Think about the positive. Say the positive do the positive. But if you're looking for the negative, you're going to feel negative. You feel negative. You're going to say the negative. You're going to do the negative and it all gets more negative. So my dad was a positive. Uh, He was a treasure hunter and he would praise those treasures. Mm, That's so good. A treasure
0: hunter. And so what about those places where just uh, like all of us, all kids, you got it wrong. How did he? How did he work to discipline you in a way that it sounds like he's such an encourager and so positive? But in the realistic moments of you're just getting it wrong, can you look back and see places where he did that well, or where you've learned how we do that well for our own kids?
1: Yes, uh, my mom did a little bit more of the correcting if it was a real big thing, like the time I jumped off a trampoline and scared my little sister and told her I died and rolled under the trampoline. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> and she ran ran home to tell mom. Um, That was foolish. Mom told dad. I waited for dad. He gave me a spanking. He didn't get angry. He didn't lose his temper. Uh, His love was still there. He hugged me. Um, That was key. My dad was more pep talks and looking at the positive and didn't really address the negative very much. And I'd say that was a weakness in parenting our four sons. Um, I've learned a lot from Stacy. Uh, we use timeouts. Um, we talk them through how to handle it better the next time. Yeah. We gave them natural consequences. Many times they lost a privilege because they treated their brother wrong or done something inappropriate. Okay. Uh, natural consequences are great. Um, I told my dad late in life, Dad, I wish you'd talk to me about girls and drinking and your failures and your struggles, your insecurities. Uh, We were driving in the car alone in 1996 while he was campaigning for vice president. And it was a rare moment. And he said, Jeff, I'm sorry, but my dad didn't talk to me about those things. And I didn't really know how to do that with you. I just knew how to encourage. That's all I really knew how to do. I think a key for dads and moms to take away is if you feel like you're losing your kid's heart, and there's becoming distance and their attitude is more and more negative. They're not paying attention to you. Or you're more and more frustrated that they're just not getting with the program, which <laughs> that's what a teenager is supposed to do. Yeah. Not get with the program. They're trying to grow up and be their own person. One of the most important things you can do is get off the pedestal and shrink the distance between the two of you and drop your guard and tell them some of the stories from your childhood, from your college year from your mistakes from your vulnerabilities when you had pimples when you were insecure when you treated a girl wrong and broke up with her uh, without even explaining it to her et cetera. when when you were selfish uh, tell about when you struggle with pornography or lust um, alcohol or whatever this transparency um, is the greatest teaching you could ever do well actually the greatest you could ever do is find something you've done wrong to them or didn't do right Mm-hmm. Humble yourself and apologize, and then ask them to forgive you. That has been the most powerful parenting I've done as a father of grown sons in the last 10 years. And I remember when my wife used to lose her temper at little wild three-year-old Colby. He was hard to raise. He's, he's a wonderful guy, firefighter, married daddy these days. Mm. Huh. But he was, he was an absolute pain in the butt to raise. You know, we <laughs> pulled our hair out. Um, But when she'd lose her temper with him and put him in the laundry room, when she'd show up in the laundry room, she wouldn't start off with the discipline. She'd get on her knees and say, Kobe, I am so sorry. Mommy shouldn't treat you that way. God made you. You're special. Please forgive me. Mm -hmm. I didn't treat you right. Oh my gosh. She modeled the gospel, which is way better than giving some sermon or saying, make sure you go to youth group tonight or listen to this church service. We have to get humble. And I think humility Honestly, Cynthia, pride is the beginning of everything bad and humility is the beginning of everything good. Mm. And I do not think that parents, even though we're not confident and we feel like maybe I messed up or I'm disqualified, we don't demonstrate humility to our children. If we would, we'd see some great healing and some great progress and better relationship that wins their heart back to us and our heart to them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good word. It's a good word. And so I'm thinking as you're saying this, you're talking a lot into just having good, healthy relationships with our kids. I'd love for you to speak into that other ways that dads can do that. I think for some dads, and a lot of that may be upbringing. I think there's a lot of factors, but for some dads, that's harder than others to build those healthy relationship with your kids. I feel like a lot of times as moms, for those of us that are home with our kids or those that work, we tend to just be the day in day out caretaker taking care of physical needs or whatever that may be. And sometimes that's a little bit more distant for dads. So what are practical ways that you would speak into dads listening, that they can build these healthy relationships? I love what you just said, other ways to do that. And then in tandem with that, can you talk about ways Also, as wives, as moms, that we need to step aside and let those relationships form and encourage those with our husbands and our kids. Okay.
1: I think when we're thinking about doing well with our kids, and particularly for dads, and particularly if your kid is kind of different than you, right? You may be a jock, and he's kind of a gamer, programmer, techie guy, or you know, you're more of a scientist and engineer and your daughter is more of an art artist, or your son is more of a creative musician. You don't really know how to connect that well. The key is time and interest in them. And if you say, I need to show them that I enjoy them and that I appreciate them, that means you have to take an interest in the things that they enjoy and that they like. Okay, so you really got to become a student of your kids. You don't have to be an expert in their stuff. Just ask them questions. Hey, tell me about your favorite song lately. Play it for me. What's the coolest movie you've seen? I know you watch a lot of YouTube videos. Any really good ones lately? Show me one. Hmm. What's it say to you? Uh, What's that song say to you? Okay, Um, what do you enjoy the most about your friend? you know, I, there's a bunch of things I didn't like about school. I, I I valued it more when I got out of school than I than yeah. I did when I was there. But what do you value about school? What's a bright spot? Hey, if we could spend four hours together, what would you want to do together? And then listen to them. I, I, with my boys, when they were 13, I had a father-son adventure trip where we were going to go and talk about all sorts of things at uh, puberty and peer pressure and growing up and girls and dating and pornography and sex and marriage as the end game the real goal that you can say yes to versus just saying no to sex forever yeah. um, and I had them help me plan what we would do and they planned jet skiing putt-putt golf normal golf mountain biking uh, camping out at a tent starting a campfire which I was bad at and the park rangers came and said it was illegal in the summer in Washington state <laughs> that was a story. Uh, we, we ate Pringles and drank Gatorade in the car. Uh, we listened to the Passport to Purity um, DVDs or uh, MP3s from Family Life that kind of get the ball going on some great conversation. Yeah. Um, so look at what your kids are into and ask them questions about it and show interest in them. And whatever makes them feel that you enjoy them, show that you enjoy them. Okay, And then time. It's going to take some time. Want to play catch in the backyard? Want to play a game? Hey, want to take a walk? I'm going to the store. You want to go with me? Those type of things really matter for building relationships. And again, telling stories of your childhood, your teen years, your insecurities, your dumb, silly mistakes. I tell my sons all my stupid stuff and they get a kick out of it, but it keeps me from being Dad is the holy, on high, unapproachable dude. I'm not that. There's enough dumb stuff they know about me.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm jumping in here guys to tell you about something super exciting. We have the newest edition of our most popular product. The prayer journal is now available. And if you have been around here long, you know that I started writing these prayer journals several years ago to kind of help myself and my own parenting. I had great intentions of praying over my kids, but the implementation was definitely lacking. And so there obviously is no magic formula to praying for your kids. It's just a matter of going and doing it, but I was not doing it well. And so we created this prayer journal and it's an opportunity to pray over your kids, pray scripture over them, but also to make notes. And so they are available for pre-order. It's called Joyful, Patient, Faithful, which is based in the verse out of Romans 12, 12, which says we're to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So go to cpprayer.org, again, cpprayer.org, and pre-order your copy so you will have it in plenty of time to pray with us starting in September for the new school year. love for you to speak into uh, I think hopefully we all know if we do have dads in our kids lives which uh, you know that doesn't always work out that way and I love how you said that earlier that you just put a community around you in the Lord and and it looks a little different and a little more challenging but for just a traditional family that has a Wife and a husband there. As wives, how do we do this well? Because I think uh, for a lot of moms, guilty probably over here, um, we tend to just kind of fill in gaps and and we get our kids very scheduled. They don't have a lot of the time that you're talking about, or we just kind of leave our husbands out of the loop. Maybe not intentionally, but it just kind of happens that way. How important is it? Why is it so important that we really let the dads dig in and do the things that they need to do to, to raise
1: his kids? What is that void they feel that we can't as moms? Moms. Mm, good question. Uh, I'll start with a story from our life. My wife, Stacy is a perfectionist, detailed person, gets her list done every day, uh, totally efficient, super organized. We're opposite in every darn way, except that she's a leader and I'm a leader, but she's an introvert and she's a one on the Enneagram.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm a seven. I'm the fun loving otter, uh, the enthusiast, and I'm not so good with all the details, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, and also Stacy's love language is service, and mine is words and touch. And service is the thing that's needed in a home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all needed, but there's a lot of work to do, a lot of chores to do. Stacy ends up picking up the majority of the work and handles the, the majority of the details. She ends up handling the boys' schedules. And so she's so competent, she kind of swallows even the leadership role, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a guy who has a cool job or some stuff going outside the house or some fun hobbies is going to drift into that when he doesn't feel like a success or like he's called on or respected for his role in the home that has happened to us to a degree. And I remember my wife, uh, she's always been a part of Bible studies and teaching young moms and, and she was learning some stuff and she realized that men's love language is respect. And, I'm not teaching my sons enough respect for him. So she started whenever the boys would ask, Hey mom, can I go out Saturday night or can I have the car for this? Or, you know, can we do that? Um, she used to just figure the schedule out and say, yes. And I wasn't even in the loop. Then she starts saying, just a minute, let me check with your dad. Let me, let Mm -hmm. me, I'll get back to you after I talk to dad tonight. I didn't really change the decision hardly ever. Okay. It's It's usually, yeah. Babe, you know what's going on. I think that's cool, but thanks for asking. She repositioned me as the dad, the father, not the dominant bossy leader, but there is authority that God respects. We have to respect imperfect government and respect imperfect husbands and respect imperfect dads. And you get a more respectable man when you deal with respect. You can still tell him the truth. You can still draw boundaries, uh, but to disrespect him or to not respect him Mm -hmm. especially in front of children, puts them in a bad spot. So I think one of the first things is suspend your frustration and your criticism and your critiques of those 27 things on the to-do list he didn't do that you've asked him to do six times, or the fact that he's not relational enough or he doesn't lead prayer of time with the family or blah, 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 whatever it is, suspend that this whole month, start being a treasure hunter and look for whatever is good about your husband. Even if he's a workaholic, And that's all he does is earn money and support your family with a good house and college education. Praise him for wanting to provide for his family. You don't have to praise the workaholism, but praise his motive. You want to take care of our family. You want to give us a good future. You want to give us a good um, opportunity for college. That's a great motive. A lot of men don't do that. I sure appreciate that about you. Suspend your critique, suspend your frustration and criticism, Look for a treasure and praise it. And then you'll find a second one Then you'll find a third one. And pretty soon he'll start doing those things that are getting praised more. Okay. My mom used to um, wait till eight o'clock to have dinner with us kids rather than feeding us early. So that when my dad got home from Congress, we would have family dinner. Hmm. My mom put my dad in a position to be a great dad, even though he didn't make the scheduling choices himself to be there all the time. She, yeah. helped, she helped him and she kept a lot of stuff off his plate so he could throw the football with us in the backyard so he could go to our games. Um, so position Remarkable. your husband to be the best daddy can be instead of whining that he's not like some guy you heard on a podcast who you're assuming is really good because no one is as good as you think. We, we yeah. think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. We compare our inside turmoil and feelings to other people's external Instagram. That's BS, and the culture is killing us with it. Comparison sucks the life out of us. It -hmm. creates dissatisfaction, discontentment, and then we become consumers that are always whining, trying to get our husband to do more for us, or our wife to do more for us, or our boss to do more for us, our our kids to perform for us, our kids to impress and get make first string, or be the first musician, or get into college to impress everyone else. That's a consumer parent. Mm -hmm. Don't live through your kids for your satisfaction. Jesus laid down his life to serve. And you're not going to get a lot of thank yous for the first 18 or 25 years. You know, male brains don't even mature until 26 years old. So you're not going to get a whole lot of, hey, mom and dad, that was cool the way you disciplined me. And thank you for telling me to you know, work (laughs) on school so I could get into college. I'm pretty excited I have this job. But you, you, you played a big role in that. Thank you so much. You're not going to get that at age 21 or 18 or certainly 12.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the long game is critical. It's from a mom who has teenagers. Yes. The long game matters. Okay. And so I was, I was kind of looking through some of the topics that you discuss often and what you do. And I thought this was so interesting. I mean, there's so much I could ask you, but I know we have limited time, but you, you have, um, you have a way that you talk through kind of evaluating your fathering. And, and within that, I think, you have some tips on things that fathers should never do could you kind of help us with that and let's we're showering this obviously knowing your heart already with just complete grace because uh, i'll be the first in line to say getting it wrong every day in some way and I, and i trust that the lord uh, has prepared all of us in a way to do it where he can he can come alongside us and he can overcome the deficits but are there things if we're trying to be just super practical i'd love your thoughts on the things that we look at in evaluating and when i say our fathering. I'm going to be evaluating my mothering, I'm sure through the same lens, but, and, and then some things that you would say, Hey, just stay away from this, dad, stay away from this. These are the mistakes that I've seen in my past. Don't do it. Or that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Well, in Deuteronomy and other spots in the Bible, it, it tells moms and dads and dads in particular as responsible leaders. And remember responsible leader is modeled after Jesus Jesus didn't come and boss us around. Jesus didn't twist our arm and say, hey, please accept salvation because I paid a big price on the cross. He offers it freely, pays the incredible price, and then sets us free to choose or not choose in the timeline that we come up with. God is a very gracious leader. Hmm. We need to be gracious leaders to our children. Obviously, gracious leader to our wife. So. I think we need to train our kids in three main things. Okay. We need to train them in getting a picture of faith as being a relationship with the perfect heavenly father. So a dad needs a relationship with God himself. And if you're not Mr. Holy Bible, you know, churchy, know it all. And you got some faults, just be humble and be trying to grow in God and tell your kid that his relationship with God isn't determined By how far you go it's determined by how honest you are and that you're actually pursuing god so remind them, i'm not perfect but you do have a perfect father get to know him so the faith of a relationship with god that jesus is the only solution the gospel really matters um god the heavenly father is in charge of everything and he's good that's important for us to get across give kids the picture of the faith by you pursuing god Mm -hmm. number two give them their identity as a beloved son or daughter and whom God is pleased because of Christ. And finally, give them some blueprints, the GPS for relationships. That's probably the most important thing. Relationships anchor all of life and they're not getting the right idea about relationships from media, high junior high school and social media. Um, Certainly not from pornography and the corruption of something beautiful sex into being a consumer item and, and, and a financial, you know, Abuse issue. Um, so, those are some of the things to do. Some of the things not to do uh, don't say no way more often than yes. Don't pick out their problems way more than you praise the positives. Um, don't hide your real feelings and act like you don't have feelings or problems yourself. Be real, be authentic, be transparent, be vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Um, Don't be afraid to pray in front of them in an awkward way. Or if that doesn't work, ask them to pray at the dinner table. Um, The biggest problem is dads don't apologize. Yeah. Yeah. So please apologize. It's not like a defeat. I think it's your best offensive weapon. The most surprising, amazing thing is when a man humbles himself and apologizes. Do you feel that, Cynthia, when your husband apologizes to you? Completely. 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 And he's the best apologizer. I give
0: full credit to my husband and I'm the worst. It's well known in our family and on this podcast, we talk about this. So those are strong words that, um, Yeah, mean a lot our house too. I'm glad to hear you reemphasize it, reminds me. But well, these are all amazing words and I'm not gonna keep you much longer because you have to catch a flight and that's not gonna be good for your marriage or me if you miss your flight. So I'm gonna let you go, but I would love for you as we wrap up, can you just tell people where to find you, um, some links, a little bit about uh, the Fatherhood Commission, just whatever you wanna point us to, to help us with, um, for dads, fathering, even wives that need to point them to
1: something. Mm, Good. Let me cast a little vision. And then I'll tie it up the way you asked me with detail. All right. Perfect. Uh, this was a very personal interview talking to dads individually, but I want to ride moms, dads, husbands, wives, unmarried people, anyone listening, the deficit financially in America is big and it's a troublesome thing, but the fatherhood deficit is an even greater and troublesome thing. Cause God made fatherhood to be at the center of all of existence. Jesus called him the father, the father said to call him the father. Our father is the center of everything. And he works through fathering. And so it's the most important job a man will ever have. And distant dad, divorced dad, blended dads, they are not disqualified. Um, You can humble yourself, learn some lessons, apologize, and do the best from this day forward. Um, And you know what, in the Bible, God blessed Jesus when he got baptized. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then at the transfiguration, he said the same thing. He said, you're also the chosen one. Listen to him. So God gave Jesus his identity, son, unconditional love, said, I take pleasure and delight in you. And finally, he said, you have a place. You're the chosen one. I want people to listen to you. Fathers. Run to the eternal father and ask him to re-father you. That'll heal the wound from your dad. And you could probably go apologize to him for the 5% wrong you did to him and forgive him for the 95 he did to you. Once mm-hmm. that's set free, you can go and look and ask your kids, what's been good and what's been bad? Are there any things you'd like to see me change? What do you wish I knew? And then you can apologize to your kids. It's amazing how much progress you'll make. Okay. Uh, but make sure that we, we point them to the eternal father, because that's the concept of all of life tied into fatherhood. And we need to champion and strengthen fatherhood. I urge dads, get, a, get a, a newsletter or a blog or a short book or watch some videos, join a group of other dads and talk about fathering. Get a mentor. I had a mentor who coached me with raising my four sons. Uh, tap into the resources, go to fatherhoodcommission.org and click in the type of person and needs you have and look at those partner groups and connect with them. You'll find amazing groups that are doing fabulous work. Uh, if people want to find anything on the fatherhood front, go to fatherhoodcommission.org. And if they want to connect with me, Cynthia, uh, they can find me at jeff at jeffcampteam.com. That's my email or my website, jeffcampteam.com. And there's a, there's a button on there for men huddle. Which is all about dads meeting together, men meeting together, huddling weekly, deep level five friendship, and kind of reviving manhood in the model of Jesus and fatherhood in the model of a perfect, gracious Heavenly Father.
0: Mm. So good. All right. I'm linking all of this in podcast notes so people can find you. And I wish I could show you all my notes of the questions that I wanted to ask you that I didn't get to ask. It's laughable. There's so many great things I could ask you, but you have spoken truth, I think, into lives of dads and moms and all of us just as believers. And so thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great Father's Day. I hope you have a great weekend away and come back sometime. Will you do that? Can we chat again someday?
1: Why don't you keep those questions and we'll we'll do another podcast uh, 2.0. And if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for all the moms and dads out there. Is that cool? Amazing. Let's do it. Yep. God, Cynthia and I just ask you uh, in the name of Jesus, the amazing son who is God himself. Father, we pray that your spirit would touch every single person listening, every husband, every wife, every single mom, every mom, every dad, every grandma, every grandpa, and that you would refather them, help them forgive their parents and make the apologies to their kids that can start to build a deeper relationship and then give them the specific coaching to build a relationship that shows their son or daughter that they enjoy them, that they value them, that they're not judging them, they're not critiquing them. Uh, And of course, as they get older, we need to let go because they always belong to you and we need to release them and entrust them to you. You're a better owner than we are. So please bless every dad, every mom, every person listening We pray for your will to be done, your kingdom to come, and your glory to be the only glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: And I am so glad you were here with Jeff Kemp. He has such a wise word for dads, for parenting, for the men in our lives. If you have not already, forward this to your husbands, ladies. And I think the takeaway for me, there were so many of them, but what I really liked is what he said at the end, just in parenting our kids, I think this is true for dads, but also for moms, that the best things we can do is pursue God ourselves and then always making sure that we're instilling identity in our kids, identity from the Lord. And then lastly, give them blueprints or a GPS for good relationships. And so a huge thanks to Jeff for being here. And I have linked his fatherhood commission in our podcast notes. And then for our messy minute, I wanted to go back to something that I talked about earlier in this podcast, and that as our 2021-2022 prayer journal, and I've said it before, I'll say it again I don't think there's anything more significant we can do as parents than pray over our kids and I think it's one of those things we all probably intellectually agree with but perhaps we haven't implemented well like in my own life and so this prayer journal is just a way it's not the magic formula you don't have to have this but it is a way for us to organize and pray for our kids we pray attributes every week over them from the Bible, we pray scripture over them. And there's a place where you can take notes. And I think it's really powerful to go back and look at what you prayed for over your kids over the school year and to see how God has been so faithful. But then on a really personal note, I will say this as a mom who just saw her First born, graduate from high school, and she's getting ready to head to college. I have all those moments of, did I say this? Did I teach her that? Did my husband and I do this or that, right or wrong? And then I just get this comfort in knowing that she's prayed over. We have prayed over this child her whole life, but really the last years we prayed hard, the Lord would just show up and be in her life and important to her that she would know him that he would guide her and direct her. And when there's all those questions that start popping into your head with your kids, I think that there's just comfort knowing that you've turned them over to the Lord and that's what we're called to do. And prayer does that for us. And so I would just encourage you to go to cpprayer.org again, cpprayer.org and grab your copy of the 2021-2022 Prayer Journal, and we will be ready in September to start praying every Monday morning, kicking off our week praying over our kids. We know your days are busy, so as always, thank you for joining us as we pardon the mess.